insert your own theme tune here. <laughs> I was I was looking at you then because I was kind of excited about hearing you say that again. <laughs> it's been a good few months. I said it. I said it different than that. Like, I've ruined it. I've yeah, you totally, you've lost it. Yeah, I don't know what's going to be more important. <laughs> Yeah, losing the brand because I don't have the same tone of voice as the usual beginning of the show, or the fact that the show hasn't happened for it never ever. even it never even occurred to me that you needed to rehearse that, <laughs> or that you might get out of practice. <laughs> saying insert your own theme tune here. Yeah, how I, does I, it go? Was it as it normally? Do insert I get it back? your own misnut. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, yeah, that's I think so. That's insert your own theme tune here. Like Something like that. Insert your own theme tune here. Hello, welcome back. It's been a few months, actually. It's it been uh, since, when was the last one? January or some, somewhere? Uh, it was the year 2000. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I remember we were a lot younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and we thought we would continue podcasting via remote, you know, do, do it, um, Skype it and so on. Um, oh, yeah. But and it I, turns I out... I didn't know that where you've gone... I, I have been in in a black hole of uh, of internet where uh, tra- traveling across Australia and uh, I do you know what Australians have this thing about whinging poms you know uh, British people whinge about everything and and they're they're right right okay? they're, but it's Australians... the reason they whinge because loads of things aren't as good <laughs> no I think it's partly they're, they're <laughs> outdoorsy it's sunny no actually I think it's the other way around I think things aren't as good because they don't whinge. Right. I, I think you, people need to have a certain level of whinging to get things done. And I think British people complain about stuff a lot more uh, and simply wouldn't be... Like, if you even mention how bad their internet is, right? And I mean, uniformly, across Australia, as we, we go through through Perth, through Adelaide, Melbourne, that there are people you'll come across and go, yeah, well, my internet's good. And you go, yeah, but the point I'm still making is you can't just go into any cafe or anywhere yeah, and yeah. get decent internet. You get a rough internet and, uh, and it takes several days to masturbate and it shouldn't do <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> tough yeah <laughs> oh yes <laughs> it's um no but even seriously, I hope you, this picture's the sort of thing I find attractive yeah I hope the rest of the picture doesn't disappoint me when it comes <laughs> up um it's not going to turn out to be a you know, grandpa or something <laughs> well, you know uh, Matt, Matt Kirshen yeah Matt Kirshen. I do know Matt Kirshen uh, yes he's who, a friend of mine as well yeah and a friend of the pod yeah uh, uh, well, I, I, I saw him a few weeks ago. I went to LA. All right, yeah. And he, uh, where they got very good internet. Yes, I bet they. But they, they did uh, probably science in Australia, as you know, because you did one of them and injured yourself during it. Yeah, I did. I I heard you bleeding. I did. Uh, not lying on it. Should I, should I explain that quickly? Otherwise, that's just no. Let's weird just leave it. Um, okay. Basically, Kerry, I got injured. Kerry I got injured on a podcast. Yeah, Kerry been masturbating for several days, <laughs> and, and, and eventually it will bleed. <laughs> Go, go on, explain. Oh, why okay. Bri- briefly, we got on to the subject of metal bending. I'm not quite sure how it came up, yeah. and uh, Yuri Geller, and so on. And I mentioned it's something that I used to do, but the truth is, it's something I haven't done for years. And also, it's one of those things you make look, uh, and, it, and Yuri Geller as well can make it look like it's, it's improvisational. Or, you know, someone hands him a, a key or a spoon out of nowhere, but really, there's preparation. Right, yeah, but yeah. suddenly on the spur of the moment, they said, "Oh, can we get hold of a, a fork?" and uh, and then the barman instantly <laughs> managed to get hold of a fork. And I had already said that if I'm going to improv, improv this, and it's got to be uh, 
one of those cheap forks. Really terrible <laughs> fork, yeah, 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 a real terrible cheap fork. So I'd already said this is not something I'd do anymore, and it's not something that uh, I would do that you would do that so anyone would do with just any fork. Foot long cast iron it's game of solid, Thrones style, impossible. yeah, pitchfork. As soon as I touched it, that is there's no way it's going to take a lot of force to bend that and to do that <laughs> invisibly when I'm surrounded by an audience without any rehearsal. Yeah, isn't going to happen. But being me, I think I'm going to give it a try. So I, I got in the right moves and so on. And actually, I think could have done it, except the prong of the fork dug into my the palm of my hand. Right. So as I did the move that should have done the bend, what actually happened was it bent a little bit and the fork went straight into my hand. So and, and it looked really good for a while. You know, there's blood pouring <laughs> out my hand. It looked like something massively dramatic is happening. Well, it was, uh, but not not intentional. It would it. Um... For audio only, it, it really worked. <laughs> and then you could sort of hear the sort of, oh, something's happening in the room. And then, go, and, and then uh, Andy, oh, Andy, one, Andy kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard the whole podcast. It's very entertaining. But Andy went, oh, my God, your hand! Yeah. Well, I'm always willing to suffer for my art. But anyway, their podcast is called Probably Science, and it has uh, it's great quite as well, loyal yeah. listeners. Yeah. And they absolutely were telling them that they had terrible internet. And, and, they're listeners to the sort of people who go, yeah, we do, yeah, sorry. I couldn't find anyone in Australia bothered about anything. Right. <laughs> not not that, whatever. There's there's an odd... Don't get me wrong, I love, I love being in Australia and, and there's a mentality out there, there, there's a lifestyle that's really nice, you know, and I think it's, sure. uh, uh, if anything, their, their kind of up-spirited attitude is... is uh, a nicer attitude to life than the, the British moany sort yeah, of yeah. Indie thing. But I've, I've never been. But, I've but also I also like don't Australia think it gets much done. Usually. It doesn't get much done. Well, okay, I think we see two different types of Australians. I think we, we tend to see, like, the, for instance, with guys, there's the big sort of macho Australian guy, you know, very confident and so on. Right. But majority of Australians really aren't like that. There's a, a real big attitude towards, or natural attitude in conformity. And right. people very much do there's not a lot of outlandish stress there's not a lot of uh that people don't break rules they follow rules even they won't cross a road like adelaide particularly and, and but i've seen it all over people won't cross a road until the green man says even if there's no one on the road and there's no vehicles on the right. road nothing uh and and that's yeah, the majority you, you of people get that in other countries well i mean in the states we were in the states i've been uh, to america for a long time and then um, and i've never been to la before and uh, kirsty and i wife and I went went to LA uh, for a bit and what happened is she was doing this tour of Japan and I'd just finished uh, my tour here with Dev Gorman and so we decided let's both go to LA you do a rehearsal with Gallen who lives in LA then you both go off and do your tour of Japan and I'll come home and then they moved the Japan tour forward so what we actually did was we went to LA together <laughs> for three days and then they <laughs> fucked off to Japan and left me on my own in LA which was great <laughs> it was right really, yeah, yeah and that was around the whole time got to hang out lots but first time there, you need to cross a road. You look, there's nothing coming. You cross it, and then someone reminds you that that is against the law, and you could get ticketed by a cop. Right. And it's called jaywalking, and it's, it's a crime that just doesn't exist in the UK. You know where it came from as well. Well, the term. No, no, the uh, the law itself it was largely lobbyists for the car companies of the early sort of twentieth century and so on. Who uh, that they wanted the car, they wanted the, the car companies to own the roads. Oh, so, really? so that, that it was a principle. The principle was that the roads belong to the, to the vehicles, whereas in England it's still the, the, they're the Queen's roads, the roads belong to the people. So we don't have a jaywalking law as such. Right. 
That's very. I think there's still laws that cover you know if you're being a dick on the road, but not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not if you're just crossing. You, you, you can take your life in your own hands in England, but you can't in in America or Australia. <laughs> and Australia took the American law on that one. Right, that's interesting. Yeah, you, you but they follow it religiously, and in, in a way, and it's not just that. There's in so many ways. I, I was on several podcasts whilst I was out there, and this subject came up quite a lot of the Australian rule following thing that Australians don't even seem to realise they're doing, but they're. They love rules, like really follow them unquestionably. And even to the point where like, I got told off more there in three months than I've been told off my whole life in England for things. And, I, and also that with audiences, you notice that you can get really good audiences, but they don't seem to have leaders. There's no one who stands out. Everyone's right. kind of waiting on everyone else to react. So there's an extra long pause before the laugh comes in. So do you feel like if you put... A lot of Australians in a concentration camp, you need fewer guards. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? You could have gone for a prison there rather than a concentration camp, was it? Well, prisons each have a cell each, you know. So do you mean they'd have... actually walk themselves into the gas chambers and everything if you just put a sign up? <laughs> ah. And a rotor. Because that, that was supposed, I remember reading yanks ago that they um, uh, learned. Uh, during prisoner war camps, that if if you identified early enough, the kind of ten percent or so of people, or five percent, I can't remember, who who were likely to start trouble, you know, start like an escape attempt or whatever, right. just keep an eye on them, then you you can be actually pretty lax with the rest of the prisoners. So it's a particular type of person that they it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's generally true of groups and crowds anyway. Right. I think there's a few leaders. I can normally see, you must notice yourself, sometimes you look out over an audience and you see the person with the good laugh that's, uh, uh, the, the good background laugh and people laugh on top of it. So it's normally, it's normally, yeah, yeah. It's normally a, a large guy with a big belly who has a big belly laugh that goes with his belly and, it, and it's, it's a bassy laugh and it's kind of, oh, and, it, and it goes underneath the rest of the laugh that's a bit leads it. But they have, but they also, they have to have a sense of when the rest of the audience would laugh. Because the the worst thing is when they're laughing at places that no one else is laughing, and then it alienates the rest of the crowd. Oh, but I think it's more when you get the high pitch laugh. So, you, so sometimes you get a laugh that comes out out of a crowd, and it's like, and it's like a horsey laugh or it's a cackle, right. and then the audience laugh at the laugh. So yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's the laugh that ends, then the person's funny laugh carries on, then we laugh at the funny laugh, and their laugh separates. They're, they're, they're a treble noise, but the, but the bass noise we don't really notice. It just keeps a non-stop laughter going. If you find out who the bass guy is in the crowd, it's usually a guy who's got that, that kind of laughing. Okay. You just keep him, if you can keep him laughing, you keep the rest of the crowd laughing. That's interesting. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure I've done gigs though where there's been like, uh, you know, a big fat guy with a huge booming laugh who just seems like he's on a spectrum of some sort and he finds everything funny <laughs> and eventually people just go, what? Can he leave, please? Because, because it's just... <laughs> All right, they, they exist. I'm not saying that every single big guy is uh, is 100% reliable when they're going to do their job properly. But they, <laughs> but I do think there's a tendency. I do notice where there's bass in a, right. in a, in a laughter and, where, and it makes a difference. And where there's only treble and, they, and it uh, it's actually harder to make an audience laugh like that because each the laughs all stand out. And when, you, and when you hear somebody who's got the uncontrollable giggles who can't stop laughing, yeah. that's very often a woman. Do you not find? Yeah, m- more often. Like, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know why that is, because I absolutely oh, I know have why got that is. the giggles. Oh, do you? Yeah. 
Is it just that, that, that because it's more treble sound, you hear it more? No, it's because they their friends have encouraged them to laugh like that, whereas a man has been punished for laughing like that <laughs> during his life. <laughs> yeah, any okay. man walking around going, <laughs> with a, a stupid laugh, his mate's going, stop that. But... <laughs> <laughs> so when's your lecture coming up? <laughs> and of course, that's you know the problem with male conformity. <laughs> I'm criticising men here, obviously, but um, yeah, yeah, I do. Th- I do think it makes I, a big I, difference. I, I sound stupid. Well, Kirsty and I sometimes like make each other laugh enough that we just get the giggles of how ridiculous we're being, yeah. and both of us sound. Absolutely ridiculous. We just bust sound like donkeys. We just there's that sort of, there's a lot of weird inhaling noises. Going. I do. I think overall I prefer the sound of female laughter. It's hard to say really, but I think or maybe it's just as a guy I like making women laugh more than I care about making men laugh. There's, there's a less likelihood of reward. Maybe that's subconscious. I don't know. I'm. I'm Totally that, guessing that, that. That's, no, that's that's really funny. That's that's <laughs> somewhere between Freudian and like evolutionary psychologist version of why do men like to make women laugh? <laughs> no, but I also think that okay, there's, there's other dynamics going on. If you make I, I, women I, 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 laugh, then like men laughing. are more likely to laugh if they're women laugh. There was there was a guy in um, in Melbourne. There was a uh, I was in one mood one night with the the audience where I was getting really naughty and just making everything naughtier than I'd normally make it. And and it was with a particular high power crowd who were going for everything. It was really good fun. But I could see two different men who were properly losing it, like, you know, crying, losing it. And both of them with women who weren't really getting it. And one of them who who was looking at her husband and then laughing, finding it funny that he was finding it funny. And the other one on the right side of the audience, she turned sideways and she spent most of the set just sideways staring at her husband, (laughs) like horrified that he was laughing like this. And he wasn't even noticing her anymore. He was falling about on his chair. She's not in the audience at all anymore. She's watching a man. She is watching him. And I could see, and she kept firing her eyebrows and everything else. And... Uh, and, and and because of that, she's missing any kind of nuance anyway, because right. I, I'm now sounding like I'm being, uh, doing my, my piece about my wife jokes and all that kind of stuff. So I, I sound like I'm being really sexist, but you know, when you know the jokes, they're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. playing with it. It's playful. It's playing with a theme and so on. Sure, yeah. uh, and so she was like hearing bits of it and then looking at her husband who's rocking his chair. And I know he's going to get told that's, off. That's amazing. He's gonna so be, he's, his evening is well, ruined after the show. She's like, how could you find that funny? And also, it was like she'd clearly never seen him laugh like that before. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Because I, th- I think there's not much better in a relationship than when you laugh at the same stuff. Yes, absolutely, yeah. It, yeah. And, and, yeah. Almost there's nothing more important. I'm, I'm sure there are things more, more important. binding than that as well, you know. Yeah, but if, if there's somebody in a relationship with and they don't get your sense of humour, it's, surely it's doomed. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I'm trying to think how many couples I know who laugh at completely different things. Yeah. Because I suppose it doesn't matter as much when it's other stuff, you know, like if, if, say, one of them loves love stories and the other one likes adventure, I suppose they disagree to watch different things. But missing out on on yeah. uh, mutual humour is kind of shameful in a way. Or well, a shame rather than shameful. My brother and sister-in-law have different enough I don't think different enough tastes in the, in the things like like music and laughter but the, the, in in like food and movies I know um, 
you know, like uh, he'll watch a horror film, but uh, yeah. her threshold of when she can kind of bear to watch something is is actually very low. Right. Um, and that stuff clearly doesn't matter so much. Like you know, he'll eat something spicy when she's not around or whatever. Just, yeah, yeah. But if <coughs> you know. Laughter, though, I don't know how you could. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you absolutely can. But for me, it's been the most kind of intimate thing. You know, it's the the thing that makes you go, "Oh, I am so close to this person." Yeah. Is when you are just losing your shit, laughing at stuff. Yes, I agree with you totally. Um, and we, you know, myself and my wife have jokes that are so old and complicated they can't be explained to a third human being. Right. But there are wrinkles in them that we still find that make the other one laugh. And yeah. just, I don't think. Yeah, they, do, they develop it, more subtle nuances as they go. Yeah, when yeah. You've got, yeah when you've got a running joke, it has to develop, absolutely. especially between two people both involved in comedy as well. It's going yeah. to keep developing. We have a series of children book, children's books that we haven't written, but we know we know all the characters in them. Right. Oh dear, do you talk to each other in children's books? No, it's just an idea. Like, we should actually write this up. These are, we should keep adding characters to this world, right? And stories. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. There's a, a character called Trumpet, which is an animal of some sort that lives in a trumpet, but no one knows what animal it is. It's just stuck. Okay. And that, <laughs> for instance, um, anyway. But the, the other the other thing about laughter is it can be alien. You're right, it doesn't always work to share it, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, let me tell you the whole the whole of the world. And it's a frog called Frognal. Uh, <laughs> most of place names. Um, but there is... Uh, so the guy in the trumpet, does he, does he blow himself? <laughs> he's not a guy. <laughs> the creature. Uh, we don't know. We don't, don't know what know, he does. We don't even know if it's happy in there. <laughs> he must be trapped and panicking. It just makes a trumpet noise that everyone interprets as agreement. Okay, I've come round to this story now. <laughs> uh, anyway... The other thing about, about laughter, though, uh, is that it can be alienating when it, you know it draws people together as a couple or a group. Yeah. But when you are left out of it, yeah, it's really like when you said, uh, like, like, it's like, the, "like the sound yeah. of women laughing." Yeah. I was going to just say, "is kind of a cheat joke," but not when combined with pointing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, you know what I mean. Yeah, that makes a huge difference straight <laughs> yeah. away, doesn't it? and it all depends what they're pointing at. If they're yes. pointing away from me, that's fine. Yeah, that's I'll, right. jo- I'll yeah, join yeah. in with them. <laughs> yeah, um, it almost be worse I, if they weren't pointing at anything. <laughs> Just like the final scene of the um, invasion of the body snatchers. I think, considering how individual humour is, is it's quite. I don't want to really beef up what we do, but yeah, it's quite yeah. amazing to stand in front of a group of total strangers. You've got like 200 total strangers in front of you and you're trying to find humour that will work for the most of the group and bring them round into... Sometimes we we talk about some quite dodgy things as well. Yeah. And it, we rely on them following the, the pathway that we've taken to understand why the cruel thing we're saying isn't actually cruel because it's cruel on paper or cruel in its most basic terms but we're actually making fun of an attitude or, or, or ourselves uh, if, you know uh, outside of the joke oh, well you know you know the theory that one of the things that we developed laughter for is to demonstrate that the thing that's happening now isn't really serious right in, in that so it looks dangerous but like when when primates uh, play fight it's 
or something like that, or, or do something that's like a warning to the tribe or something like that. It's a demonstration. Oh, it's it's fine. It's fossil arm, whatever. You shouldn't take this really seriously. Yeah. And I know, but but um, and some people have the theory that when it's something a bit more advanced, like you know the way human beings make each other laugh, that it's violating norms, but in a kind of safe way. Yeah. And that the laughter is there for you to go. Oh, this would be horrific if it was real, wouldn't it? But luckily, yep. it's not. Yes. Oh, totally. I, well, I think most humour is doing that. You know, I think even a pun is is even yeah, a simple yeah. pun breaking a rule is, is breaking a rule, and it's and it's also making fun of uh, what, what you know how of a whole is. There's something imperfect in our language that if you say this word in yeah, this yeah, context, yeah. it can mean something else, and that's why we often go to the nth degree because the nth degree isn't something. Uh, cheap that comedians are doing it's actually part of their job is to find what is the worst connotation of where you were to use that word wrongly you know oh, are you suggesting something absolutely yeah. disgusting like if, if you've got a story where you walked into a shop in uh, I know France and you use the wrong word thinking you were asking for bread but it turned out you were actually asking for an egg uh, that's reasonably amusing but if you're asking for dick that's funnier yeah, right yeah. Um, do you know what I mean so, so the, the, the worst connotation is the, is, is the funniest thing which is why that nth degree becomes uh like a highlight of of what was wrong in the first place. Yeah, and then do you th- is, is this a thing that you find sometimes finding finding just the right example to be funny, like sort of dick is funnier than the wrong sort of bread or whatever it might be, but maybe there's something that's funnier than dick because it's less obvious. Yes, but, yes yeah, yeah, but yeah, somehow yeah. more embarrassing. Or more oh, okay. personal. I'm, I'm really cautious of the nth degree because I think it's uh, it, it's the same reason people turn to all, all the same comparisons at the time. Things are as evil as Hitler. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, even, even the size of Wales, we have definite comparisons that we get, we jump to. Yeah, and it's the good, N minus one degree. It's good to avoid them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. is sometimes I find funnier. And I, I, I've been writing for a few people this week for uh, look, I'm writing for someone for uh, Frankie Ball's New World Order show, and that's you know. Baby topical and then the news quiz and things like that and a lot of times what you're trying to do is oh what is this like what's an analogy for this yeah but at the same time oh can i do one that doesn't mention the nazis yeah, can I yeah, do yeah, one that, yeah. you know <laughs> and then you and there's only so many there's only so many good norm violations you know, I, I think oh, well, there's no, I, don't I, know if, I, th- I know what you mean about i think i think we've, but there's millions if you if you keep digging but yeah. I, I, every time you think of one i think you should just note it because you'll find it i had one sort of opening an outlet of dixon's on an amish reservation yeah. as a thing but it was p- particularly similar to what this bloke had done yes right <laughs> and that's right. what was yes yeah yeah, any, any joke that's going to suggest something embarrassing as well is best. Or we tend yeah. to go with sexual because sexual would be the, the bigger embarrassments. You know, if it looked like you were saying, or, or if it was something, it looks like you're saying something racist or whatever. Yeah. You know? Oh, th- this is a, a real thing that happened to me that I haven't told as a story in stand up. But uh, as I was going through security at the airport on my way out to LA, I had taken about 90 millilitres of Manuka honey. That I was going because I, but it seems to stop me getting cold as often. I get colds quite often, and right. I found if I take this quite often, it seems to cut that down quite a lot. I don't know. I'm just a sample of one, uh, but it makes sense because I'm anti my. But you don't get colds. I do. <laughs> do they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they always sound like they've got cold. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what they're trying to say? <laughs> they're just forever blowing <laughs> their noses. <laughs> 
but I, I but I put this. So that was I, our new B impression section that we have regularly on the podcast. That's right, and thanks to Martin for coming in for it. Uh, see you, Martin, next week. <laughs> uh, so I, had, I, had, I had sort of you know a legal amount of honey in a yeah. slightly too big container, and he, and he said, "How much is that?" I went. It's about 90 millilitres, but the container could take 150. And he went, they're going to take it off you. He went, and it's, they might not, but I think they're going to. And if they do, it's going to add 30, 40 minutes <laughs> I to your sneeze on them. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's really annoying. So I went, well, could I have something with that? Because manuka honey is quite expensive. Yeah. So I then, with, I don't have a spoon. So I'm now sort of spooning honey out of this container with my hand and realising... Oh, this is not dignified at all. I <laughs> like Winnie the Pooh. I like doing a Winnie the Pooh impression, and it's just driving anyone. My fingers are sticky, and spooning into my mouth is kind of a chip. And everyone you're going to shake hands with for the next and while. And I realised that in my head, I'm being Winnie the Pooh doesn't translate well into what I say out loud to the person behind me, which just doing a poo. <laughs> I don't know this. Anyway. I'm sort of adding on to the, and I didn't, I didn't really say I'm just doing poo, but I think retelling for stand-up, there's a version of this where I become so humiliated. There's a lot of stand-up when I hear people tell stories. Like, you do, I see this as well, where you go, you didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you go, it's, but the story, you're right, the story is better. The audience know mostly that we didn't say that. They know we're actually telling stories of if we were a bit funnier or braver in the moment than right. we, we really yeah, were, yeah. yeah? And I, but I, th- I, I have no guilt whatsoever about it. Our, our job is to make the audience laugh as much as we can. Yeah. And if telling them the absolute truth would ruin the story, why the hell do we do that? But also what made you laugh when you thought of saying it was yeah, the yeah. thought of actually saying it. So yeah. you're, you're translating that to the crowd. You're not telling them, I thought of saying this, and by the way, just for honesty, I didn't actually say it. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. It's too much information. A really old bit of mine I had a bit about suddenly remembering that uh, Eddie had said to say hello to my wife while we were having sex. Right. So obviously I, I started giggling and she goes, what? And I explained to her, I, I'm sorry, I just remembered that uh, to tell you Eddie says hello. But the moment <laughs> I remembered was the worst possible time I could say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and clearly in a routine that becomes, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> of course it does. I had a, it was almost like a hobby at one point where there's various comedians who pride themselves on always telling the truth on stage. You know, they, they, they'll right. tell a story about exactly what happened and so on. And I used to enjoy kind of breaking... When they'd make that claim, I'd enjoy breaking their set. And i go, all right, so you really said this to that person. So you really did that. And that yeah, really yeah, happened yeah. last week. That blah, 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 blah. And, and of course, they, they start realising that no one's telling the truth on stage. Right. You can't do. You kind of... You ruin the truth by, by sticking to the truth because it's a story and the audience weren't there. They don't need to know. <clears throat> Actually, you said this and then the second person who they don't know said that and then a the third person said that. It's easier if you make it into a two-person conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah. rather than the actual conversation that took place with a group of people which is too complicated to tell you're doing them a favour I absolutely yeah ex- exactly you, exactly right and do you remember if your Edinburgh show years ago Marry Me and the, all these lines that why do they why do you have to give them a third and fourth person in the cast in their head yeah. to explain um, they're a friend of mine who I've not mentioned to Carol she yes. said this yeah yeah right. yeah and that was because there were stories that had there were stunts we pulled, which I was explaining, yeah. and I kind of wanted to credit everyone. 
Oh, totally and then understand. I had to eventually explain to everyone. But there, there are other things like uh, when I did the, the, the show about uh, the heart attack, where there was stories like, like the story of what happened in the hospital when Kersey was there, and yeah, the yeah, guy, yeah. guy was throwing his piss around, and he got piss over Kersey. But I had to take Kersey out of the story, and I actually had to say to Kersey, "I'm sorry, you're no longer in the show as one of the characters yeah. because." I have to explain an extra body that they, the audience don't know. Although, just as a criticism of that, I think it would be better if you hadn't removed the bloke as well and, put, <laughs> and made you throw the piss over Kirsty. I never understood why you're doing it. <laughs> that was just the fantasy that came no, out. Just... <laughs> I, I saw this guy pissing on other people. I thought, I'd like to do that. <laughs> I remember arriving five minutes later, there's just you and Kirsty, she's coming to piss. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole heart attack story has <laughs> a backstory for it. If I ever put out the video, this will be the extra chat that comes with it where you find out what really happened. <laughs> I wasn't in hospital, didn't have a heart attack, I just pissed on someone. Yeah, I just pissed on someone. But not in a sexual way. No. <laughs> and it was in a hospital, that's where I trapped her. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think sometimes, the only time I really mind if someone is bending the truth a bit if, if they're just doing it to make themselves sound cooler but it's not really making the story funnier yeah so there was somebody uh, years ago absolutely claiming that they were doing material about 9-11 on the evening of 9-11 in a particular club that doesn't run on that day of the week right yeah <laughs> and, yeah and you've got to go but did that matter well also but it doesn't for the story. It doesn't matter if they're doing it the same day because it's London, and, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it does give us a problem because it's the reason why so many times you hear a comedian get to a true story and go, "And this one really happened," or you go, "This is a true story," and you go, "Yeah, yeah." So yeah. you're now telling us that everything else wasn't. You just killed that illusion off. Yeah, I think I think that's important. I think you you sort of have to choose whether or not the, your status on stage is as someone who's pretty much telling the truth. I don't know because I think it depends on style. Like in my style, I will occasionally say, this one's a true story, like really, really true. Like this one actually happened. Not that the other ones didn't happen. So I'll sometimes yeah, play, yeah, yeah. play with that. Uh, and then I'll start claiming that the stories I've told were true, which were obviously not true. But uh, the, I, around, I, I so. think you can do that because, because the ones that aren't true are very obviously not true. Yeah. Whereas... Um, I don't know, we've talked about this before. I don't know whether the audience is really... Even, like, with the heart attack story, I could do a whole show about having a heart attack and still people come up to me and go, was that true? You know? Oh, yeah, no, I understand. That that, that way around. Yeah. But the thing, if you do something about posting a letter in someone's eyes, they don't really think you did. And then, you know... Yeah. They, and, um, you know, did you actually tell a policeman... That when you pull over for speeding or what? Right. But um, my thing is, I had a joke years ago that yeah, was. Yeah, because what are you, an idiot? You yeah. actually said that to a policeman, you fucking yeah. idiot. And yeah, here you are, out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But then there's the, there's the thing of. And we, but we love the idea that you might have. Yes. That's what's, what's lovely, that it's, it's a sort of fantasy. But with. Uh, I, I had one about being bullied. I just wrote a joke about being bullied at school and how kids pick on everything different like your name or if you look funny or they'll pull your tail and, <laughs> and, and that really made me giggle that line but I could, the moment I did something that silly yeah. it just cast doubt on everything else I was saying so, well, hang on you claim to have had a tail it's difficult because you've got to set your stool out at the beginning haven't yeah. you and if you've already gone in surreal then you can have a tail yeah but you can't if you've been talking about politics and so on, you can't now suddenly claim you've got a tail. Funnily enough, I think maybe I could get away with it better now. 
Right. Because I'm, I'm a bit silly and uh, I don't know. I, I, I yeah. could be wrong with that. But I remember, yeah. I remember realising when I tried it that it was casting a massive doubt on every other piece of material. <laughs> yes. Um, I found that a lot with the Australia tour is that, oh, yeah. that how I set myself up in the first five minutes really did define the rest of the set. And because I go in slightly differently sometimes, sometimes I go in quite, uh, I don't know, straight-faced and... Uh, and, and deadpan, you know, rather than yeah, going yeah, yeah. being silly and doing silly moves on stage. And other times I go on being silly, and then I can carry on being silly the whole way through the set. But if I go on being deadpan, I can't break out of it now to be truly silly. Sure. It, it just doesn't gel. And the audience won't buy a silly story in the set. They won't buy surreal if you haven't been surreal up to the, up to a certain point. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So there, there were certain stories that I. I found that I had to make decisions every night looking at the audience going, I'm going to start with this one because that might affect the way they react to other things. That's interesting, yeah. I tried gigging in the States. That's, uh, oh, did you? Yeah, I did about four or five gigs. In LA? Yeah. Yeah? How did you find the audiences out there? Uh, I mean, really mixed because I, I did like the Comedy Magic Club and the Comedy cl- the comedy Store, which is like, you know... Did you have to learn some magic? Yeah, it was actually uh, that that was sprung on me at the very last minute. <laughs> and this is Sandra, you're gonna have to sign off. Okay, <laughs> I'll give it a go. Um, it's it's actually the only time with it, uh, with the exception of like a semi-religious one or um, like a kids' gig that I've been told by the promoter to work clean. Right. Which I found weirdly stressful, even though it wasn't like I was gonna go out there with filth. Yeah, but I just—it was so odd to be told, "Oh, you're telling me I can't say stuff." Yeah, that's not—that's not how this works usually. Yeah, and also, clean is a very difficult thing in the sense that everyone's right. got their own version of what. Yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. What clean really is. You know, I remember I had that piece years ago in that show about uh, offensiveness generally, and it was um, it it was about it was based on a real show I did where someone had challenged me saying I couldn't work clean. So I was like, and I, I was doing right. a long set somewhere. So I went on and I, I really went through the set and made sure I need more suit for it, you know, kind of made <laughs> sure it was all totally cleaned up. And afterwards had someone come up to me and say, uh, you could have shaved. <laughs> <laughs> you could have washed. <laughs> when I said work clean, I mean wash. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had shaved. I know it just wasn't perfectly clean shaved for this guy. It was like he'd found a fault. You know, something uh, that made me unsuitable to this this uh, crowd. So, yeah, but it was also the realization that I don't get anything out of people coming up to me afterwards, going, "You know, what I really liked about your set. You didn't swear. It doesn't mean a thing to me. No. Zero. You know, it's it's not even a congratulation. It's not. It's like, yeah. So I quite like occasionally keep it writing a piece that's totally clean solely because that, that's a bit of a challenge, and you find sometimes you find extra nuances in it. But on the other hand, the whole good comedian doesn't need to swear is such incredible bollocks that uh you know you like south park have done some really clever fucking funny stuff and there's so much strong language and uh and images in there um yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Of loads of examples of this as well of it, really it just... good fucking good comedy that's full of dirt and shock and horror absolutely it's um you know it's for, for some people some people i think are wired in such a way that you know like the person I mentioned earlier who has a very low threshold for being able to watch uh, gore or whatever. Right, right. And some people, it genuinely may, it makes them feel very uncomfortable when they hear swearing above a certain amount, you know, whatever. That's that's just their... their totally, and they're about. right. Good comedy doesn't have swearing in it for them. <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. They're, they're, they're their favourite. Yeah. But 
I, whilst they list off all the puppet shows and sort of children's uh, stroke adult entertainment that they yeah, like. Yeah. I remember someone coming up to a gig and uh, saying to me that uh, years ago, at Matt Persons' gig, in fact, saying, um, um, I just thought hey, you do without the swearing. I mean, Michael McIntyre doesn't need to swear. And Matt said, Michael McIntyre does swear. <laughs> That's just not true. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he doesn't need to. I mean, he does. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's just in her head he's wholesome so you can't do and she'll, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. she'll just forgive him forgive him when he does it but I'm doing it in some awful way <laughs> so what's also interesting of being away for a few months is that I largely went off social media for a long time so, oh yeah or rather I didn't I, I joined Instagram you can find me on Instagram now Marks. so I joined Instagram and it was uh, and because that kind of genre is all um uh, you know, pictures and fun comments and so on. It may be that I've just not followed enough people now to realise it, that there are similarities, but it's not been the same as being on Facebook or on Twitter. And I spent several months only having an occasional pop-on and ra- largely being off all that social media. Okay. And it's interesting in that a lot of the subjects we talk about on our podcast, um, and I think they're, they're the subjects I'm interested in, they're, they're all like the big issues and, and things sure, that everybody yeah. else is talking about. But when you have a break from it all, you start realising how distant it, it all seems and that most people aren't concerned at all. You know, most people don't even care about those same issues. The majority of people, I would say, are just getting on with their lives, they're busy, they're outdoors, they're doing <coughs> things, they're going to the gym, whatever, mm. and they have a vague understanding of, you know, this stuff going on to do with trans and uh, and to do with, um, I don't know, uh, Brexit and everything else, but it's, it's not dominating their lives as much as the people who are constantly reading articles and all this stuff and viewpoints. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I I do sometimes think that we're in a weird sort of bubble. If you become aware, right, you know, Graham Linehan and some trans-exclusive right. radical feminists have driven someone off, off Twitter for saying something that was yep. meant to be inclusive of trans women, and then you go, I wonder how many people I could... I could stop in a hundred that would even understand this story, or care. As I came or back, care, in, yeah. as I came back into the country, there was uh, I, I checked on Twitter, which I hadn't looked on for ages, and there was a story. Some I don't know what you saw it. Some news anchor, I didn't even follow it particularly, but she was interviewing a woman uh, about uh, renting and, and uh, unfair I, I, renting. I, I, I do know the story. Do you know the story? Okay, so and she she was a bitch. This woman, she was she was like I'm totally she's fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Was really, she was really awful, and she clearly got on her high horse because. And, and it's worse because a she's landlady. clearly a, land, a yeah, landlady yeah. and she's having a go at the woman for... Uh, um, she's telling her how, how sometimes her tenants don't know how to change a light bulb. And it's almost like, this is irrelevant. It's, it's not, about, it's not about, about the woman you're talking about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, so I fully understood the outrage, but it was kind of funny because I've not been part of the outrage that's led to this. I've just seen... This, this story's already been going. So yeah, I see yeah. this video and go, oh, that's ridiculous and it's hilarious how, how wrong she got this interview. Everyone's had a big go at her, so she must feel like a piece of shit for doing it. She, she apparently, apparently she apologised. Yeah, I saw the apology, the and the apology was, is not great, but it does right. say, she does say simply in it that, uh, yeah, it, unfortunately in this job, if you have a bad day, it's in front of millions of people as opposed to most, most people have a bad sure. day at work and make a mistake, and I made a mistake, right? Yeah. I'm a sucker for an apology. I just go, oh, okay, all right then, leave it, leave it alone, then don't do it again. Yeah. But what I was then reading was, Everyone replied, and there was no leeway. There was like no acceptance of her apology at okay. any level. It was, it was, it was lists and lists of people going, "Oh yeah, well, I, I hate you anyway," and "Oh yeah, well, you're disgusting. You shouldn't live," and all this kind of stuff. And, I'm going, and that captured Twitter for me. It's the, it's the place where no one can apologise. 
you know it's the place yeah, where yeah, anger yeah. ferments and and people just uh, and everyone's on a high horse about something yeah social media mobs just don't really accept apologies and, and I, no. th- I think that's a real shame because it means it means there's no movement yeah yeah totally yeah, it, yeah. and and yeah. also partially i think that's because what it is is an artificial mini society where you get societal prestige for showing what a strong member of your tribe you are and you sh- and you show that yes. by being really mean to members of other tribes yes. and by you know calling them out and trying to shame them and saying how disgusting they are and you, and you would you don't get any prestige for saying well, fair play to them. I may not agree with what they said, but they've apologised. Yes, because it's a breeding ground for righteousness, and 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 righteousness is puts up a wall that's really hard to get around. You yeah. know, it's, everyone's got their wall in front of them. How, how do you get words past it? So I kind of came back into the country to that, and went, went okay. I'm I'm kind of interested to get back. I've been gently allowing myself back on <laughs> Twitter and Facebook since, since I've been back and catching up with a few stories and so on, but. I've begun to feel outraged again. And I don't think I oh. really experienced outrage for three months because nothing was really... And now it's partly that I was away from British politics and I wasn't particularly interested in Australian politics. I was busy doing, performing every single day, lots of shows every day, never had a, a day off. Uh, and my mind was in that. And with Instagram, I was making silly pictures and putting those up. So I wasn't really involved in, the, in, in Brexit talks or in anything else going on. Right. And... It's kind of odd coming back into it because I've gone back into this feeling straight away of, oh, <laughs> the world's full of idiots. God, so that there must be some part of your subconscious that now is now going. Britain is just so tense. Um, yeah, but it's actually, I guess, the world is tense, and I would see that from people in Australia who clear. I, I think I can pick out, not always, but from certain conversations, people who are on social media a lot. Yeah. Right. From the way they talk, the same as I think I can pick out people who are influenced by a newspaper in the way they talk. Because I go, that's Sun language, that's Daily Mail language, uh, and it's the language itself. And a lot of the language we're hearing uh, is coming from social media. So, so Snowflake. So, uh, um, I'm trying to think of some of the, all the other ones. Uh, um, virtue signaling. All, all, the, all these kind of expressions. <coughs> yeah. That they don't exist solely in that sphere, but. They are intense in that sphere. They use a lot to describe people and describe things yeah, and yeah. so on. And I hear people talking about a subject and jumping straight to that um, uh, that grouping or the, or that slur. And I'm going, that's someone who's on social media a lot. And they, yeah, they, anybody they, they're on a different wavelength. Um, anybody the who says hot take. Yeah, right. Okay. Or uh, or who says it's not my job to educate you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hello. That's one of those annoying ones, isn't it? And that's uh, just. And you're welcome. I hate that at the end of yeah, a tweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone goes, I've sold this. You're welcome. You, go, you haven't done anything. Or the, and have, yeah. go, go away and read a book. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> which, sarcasm. Which, which one? <laughs> <laughs> Any book. Which one will convince me that you're right? <laughs> I really like, yeah, the, it's not my job to educate you. It sort of is if you want to win this argument. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of think, like, don't, just don't argue with me. Yeah. Just if you if you don't want to engage, and no one said it's don't. your job. It's just a useful stance right now <laughs> yeah. whilst you're having a discussion. Yeah, 
but also it's not your job to educate me because you're not a teacher and, and you're, yes. you're not educated on this matter. You're, you're just a, a Some, someone said opinion. that to me in real life, and, and you know, it, in uh, real life. Know well. yeah, <laughs> IRL. Uh, someone said that to me, IRL, and um, I just re- I just replayed it in my mind so many times. What is what is what do you think the situation is where you can say to another person like a peer of yours, it's not my job to educate you about da da da. Yeah. So you think if we have a difference of opinion, that means you are a teacher and I'm a pupil. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, 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 the amazing. status of our differing opinions. Yeah. That's that's an amazing fucking <laughs> arrogance to have. <laughs> it's not my job to educate you. No, it's my job, and that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're both teachers. So that yeah. was quite interesting being being away from all that and then coming into because you do actually, the, the way you describe it is about right, you kind of, it feels almost like coming back into England, you come back into this tension. Wow. Which you are. Yeah. And I do think England is, is or, or the UK is quite tense at the moment with, with Brexit and oh, everything else God, going so on. Because uh, you uh, know, you know the, the dates I was away in LA were pretty much the two weeks leading up to what was meant to be Brexit day. Right, okay. And I got back. And I, literally that day, pretty much, I think, or the day after, Brexit didn't happen on the 29th of March. Yep. Um, and the next gig I did, I sort of did my... And you can be a little... You know how you can be a bit rusty because you haven't done a gig in your own country for a bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a bit of that. And also I was using my kind of evergreen political material off the, uh, off the tour so that I didn't have to keep updating it. And it just suddenly turned the room sour. And also, a mention of Corbyn got booze now, and that hasn't really happened before. And that's really? Much, yeah. Hold on. What, what kind of were you making fun of him and it got booze? Or oh no, no, you, no! Uh, I, had, I hadn't taken a stance on him yet. No, Just men- saying his mentioning name. Him, yeah. well, which, which were the ones booing? The, the, the supporters of Corbyn or the? Uh... Well, I, I'd, I'd say there are now people... You, you just mention him. Right, what I'm doing, talking about is leaving London, like moving out of London. Right. And just saying how, you know, a, a year ago my MP was Jeremy Corbyn. And you hear people people want to make it known they do not like him. Oh, I see. So it's people who don't like him. Yeah. Who are booing. Because I've, I've seen it the other way as well. I've seen someone say uh, something slightly negative about Jeremy Corbyn and, and get booed for that as well. Okay. So, um I mean, you can, you can, there are still people who are supporters of his, obviously. Of course, yeah. But it's... I th- Think. Why has that been turning? Do you think whilst I've been away? It feels like there are people who suppose of him who now feel he's some sort of traitor to whatever they thought is because. I, I, I right, that's prob- interesting. Probably also with regard to Brexit, you know, because he's he's tried to be all things to all people, and, and it's not. Gonna um, yeah, I haven't been whatever. following this. I saw something today that he's, they're now talking about a people's vote, but that's if. May carries on the path she's so on right under now. Under very specific circumstances, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a deeply boring joke, boring story that's hard to write jokes about, I've found. <laughs> right. But it's, uh, well, let's get out of that subject then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, if, you, just, just if you already had a go at it. Like, no, I've not looked at it properly, it's but it's, 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 it's one of the things that... Uh, <laughs> one of the things I've been sent as a story I have to write jokes about for somebody else. Right, OK. Uh, and I just go, oh, I, I already don't want to read it. I'm so just... You know, your heart sinks. Yeah. Yeah, and on that note, let's end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be back doing doing regular ones now. I hope uh, so, we're yeah. going to have subjects and that. This is really just to catch up. Um, th- uh, say hello to you again after yeah. after a few months. And uh, I think this is like Avengers Endgame. This is the podcast episode where um, <laughs> uh, at the end of the last episode, 
half of the population of the podcast was vanished. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Yeah, that was, that was Karen. <laughs> I was the one who vanished. Yeah. But uh, we're back now. I haven't even seen the... Well, I'm not sure I'd even care too particularly. It's not really my kind of thing. But, okay. um, the event, but I've seen there's lots of controversy about it happening. We'll talk about that another time, maybe. But, uh, I, I, but ha- already, I have seen wants, it. Everyone wants their piece of representation in it. And uh, I, I heard that it's... Uh, I don't know questionable on the trans or, or some other stuff or fat and people claiming fat shaming and uh, other. I mean, I have seen it and I have opinions on those things, but I also. I, I mean, I we, think, we can do we can do this next week if you. I want, think if you're going to touch issues, you're never going to satisfy everyone. You know, there's a danger to it. There's that. that, and there's also there's also a little bit of it. Still hasn't been out that long, and so I don't want to fill this with spoilers. <laughs> okay, all right. Do you know what I mean? We've been talking for however long we've been talking, and then to, at the end, just to ruin, <laughs> just a, just ruin a film. film. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go, Don't do any spoilers. Because and then Thor it... gets his arms chopped off. Just <laughs> <laughs> is how it ends quickly. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't end quickly, it ends really slowly. <laughs> the whole film's the end. Yeah, it really is. It's called. It's called Endgame because at the end uh, there's two kings and uh, a couple of rooks and three pawns on one side. You watched something else, didn't you? <laughs> I just got distracted thinking about chess. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, sorry for uh, vanishing. Um, yeah, blame Australia. Right to Australia. Yes. And tell them to sort their internet out. I don't think they even realise how bad it is. But it's shameful. <laughs> yeah, write them a, a whinging letter. A proper show them how useful a whinge is. Um, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you. We love bye. you. Bye. 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 I love you too. Bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>